For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam, back to talk Chiefs with you all. A little bit of news in the kingdom today. We're going to get to in, in, in just a minute. And, and we've got some great questions from you all. Uh, as we as the, the Julio Jones thing went down, uh, he ended up in, with the Tennessee Titans, as a lot of people expected. Um, so we'll, talk, we'll touch on that a little bit. And uh, you guys sent us some great questions to help get us through <laughs> the rest of the summer until the, 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 the training camp news really starts picking up. So, uh, Verderam, how you doing, man? How's things going out your way? I'm good. I'm good. Relaxing. A couple of weeks till I take my my annual vacation to uh, the East Coast. Go back home. Relax for a few weeks for the madness of the NFL season. So, all things good. Can't complain. Uh, just uh, kind of settle in. Also, avoiding as much as I can the Midwest heat, which is just seemingly unending. Yeah, it's nasty. I mean, it is just. I'm actually so. If you listen to the podcast last week, I said I wasn't going to be here. I uh, I don't know, maybe I had a stroke or something. But I'm actually out next week, moving into our to our new house. It's gonna be nice and cool. The day, the couple days that we move in back in Chicago, it's like uh, we're arriving. So maybe we're bringing back some cool Wisconsin air to everybody. Um, so you're welcome. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, fun times. Gotta, gotta love the weather talk. Uh, <laughs> so. Let's. Um, so we got a lot of uh, things coming up for you guys today. We're going to talk about. Uh, we got some cereal rankings. This is really exciting. Somebody sent us a whole list of cereals to rank, and we did it. So we'll run through those. Somebody wants us to rank sitcoms. I think we might touch on that. And of course, a lot of Chiefs questions. Um, before we get into the the big Chiefs news, just a little a little appetizer for you all. Verderam, I, I tweeted this out last night, and it's a lot of people are, are weighing in on it. I just thought, hey, what's a fun question I could ask the kingdom? And simply. Priest Holmes or Jamal Charles is the question. A lot of people very passionate arguing both sides of this. I would say for the consensus that I'm seeing from the responses, it's a Jamal Charles and and I don't want to say a runaway, but overwhelmingly Jamal Charles. But some very passionate Priest Holmes defenders. Where do you sit on this debate? I think Priest Holmes was a great player. I think he was better than Larry Johnson and not because of all the off-field stuff, but I just think he was a better player. Um, Jamal, if you said to me, in my lifetime, in the last 30 years, you have to pick one running back in, a, in, a, in the biggest game of your life. Who do you want? Him. 
Jamal Charles, him. I, be, because of the yards per carry thing, because of the ability to just take one to the house on any given play. I mean, look, you could certainly make an argument, you know, Adrian Peterson, Barry Sanders, and their career, of course, you would take their careers. But for one game, peak like 2010 Jamal Charles, I've never seen anything like that in my life. I don't think people realize because he never really played in a playoff game. I mean, he did technically, but he, you know, he got hurt right away uh, in both games. People don't realize and remember like how ridiculously great he was if you weren't a fan of Kansas City in those years because they stunk a lot of those years. You know, they weren't good. The very end of his career, they were. But a lot of his career, they were in the shadows. If if Jamal Charles had run behind the line that Priest Holmes had, I genuinely believe he would have rushed for like 2,300 yards one year. I really do. Like if you put him on that team, Jamal Charles would have had games where he rushed for 230 yards. And I I mean, like somewhat routinely, I think he would have done it like a couple times a year. He was, he was absolutely incredible. So all of the priest who was one of my first chiefs jerseys as a kid, but Charles to me, he's got to be the answer. It's a tough one, man. Priest was absolutely incredible. I do feel like he gets a little bit of an unfair shake from people because of the offensive line that he was behind and people are like, well, then Larry Johnson stepped in and he ran great too. But it was, it was a hall of fame line. One of the best lines, maybe the best line ever. And, and Jamal Charles was running behind, not a hall of fame offensive line with no threat of a passing game. But, um, two really unique players, two underdogs, in, in, in a lot of different ways. Um, absolutely incredible. Chiefs legends. I think I'd go with Charles as well. I think his home run ability, I mean, and to your point, if you put him behind that line, my God, he's getting to the second level all the time. All the time. We saw him do so many ridiculous things behind the line of scrimmage to run around guys just so he could create some space for himself. I mean, running some some toss plays with that guy behind that line, running behind big Willie Rofe out there at left tackle. I mean, I, I just don't know. <laughs> he, he was absolutely incredible. And I think I wish he'd stayed in that game against the Broncos because I think he would have beaten the, I, I think he would have set the single game rushing record. They were gassed. They were chased. They were so frustrated. That was a game where who was it that like suplexed him on the sideline during that game? Oh, I remember that. That was, um, Oh God! It was one of the linebackers. I have a name in my mind, but I don't want to slander the man if I'm wrong. But it was yeah. one of the linebackers. It was one of the dirtiest plays I've I've ever seen. Yeah, it was, play it was, was basically over. please get him out of the game. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that they, I don't think they threw him out of the game. I think he just got a penalty. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. It was ridiculous. You know, he really could have hurt him. Look, man, he from 2010 through 2014. Actually, twenty. Excuse me, two thousand nine to twenty fourteen. I mean, his his numbers. You, now you have the one year in twenty eleven. He got hurt in the second game of the season. He tore his shell in Detroit. His numbers, twenty oh. I mean, two thousand and nine. Eleven hundred and twenty yards, seven touchdowns, five point nine yards in attempt. Like most guys, that's the best year they ever have. He had forty catches. He comes back the next year. This year to me is. The greatest running back season I've ever seen when you factor in anything. Todd Haley played Thomas Jones as the starter in 10 of the 16 games this year because he was worried about wear and tear or whatever. Charles ends up only getting 230 carries. 
He rushed for 1,467 yards on 6.4 yards in attempt. I mean, that is on a team where he was the only guy anybody was trying to stop. They had no quarterback. The line was mediocre at best. Dwayne Bowe was the only guy who was any kind of a receiving threat on that team, and he rushed for six and a half yards a carry. And then the rest of his years there, take away the year where he tore his ACL, he only played a couple games, and he had 6.9 yards in attempt, by the way, that year. But then 5.3, 5.0. 5.0, 5.1. Then he gets hurt in the last three years. He, you know, he barely plays to Kansas City, Denver, and Jacksonville. If Jamal Charles had stayed healthy and played, I don't know, nine years, I really think he would have been a, a first ballot Hall of Fame type player. But he just unfortunately was not able to stay on the field. And for that reason, I don't think he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. He ends up his career with 7,563 7, rushing yards, 44 touchdowns, never had you know big playoff moments. I don't think he'll ever get in. But I'll tell you, as far as the Hall of Fame talent, nobody was better. Nobody has been. I, I have all the respect in the world for Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes had four 1,000-yard campaigns, scored 86 touchdowns, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Ended his career with 8,172 rushing yards. Could also catch the ball. Had some years yet over 70 receptions. But I, I'd have to take Charles. I, I, I just based off my eyes and, and what I saw, I would take Charles. Priest had a, a torrid three year stretch there as well, which they, they stacked up against like the. I was watching a video last night. Um, forget what the show was. It was like an NFL Network show. And they showed like the, at that time the three best years of like Barry Sanders and Adrian Peterson. And it was Priest Holmes by a mile. Um, so he had one of the best three year stretches of any running back ever as well. Just, I mean, we've been lucky. We've had really incredible running backs with Jamal and, and priest and, and Larry and Christian Okoye, uh, Marcus Allen at the end of his career, really, uh, hope that Clyde Edwards Zelaire can, can join that group and, and really Kareem hunt. And the two years that Kareem hunt was in Kansas city. He was incredible as well. Um, really exciting to watch. Okay. We're going to take our first break on the other side Trouble in the kingdom. Kyle Long is hurt. Tom Pelissero says he's going to miss training camp. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. All right, let's get into it. The big news today, Kyle Long is hurt. Some sort of leg injury uh, report came from, I believe, Tom Pelissero. Verderam, what are you hearing on this? So, um, look, not that Tom Palacero over at NFL Network needs it, but I can confirm it. Um, he, he suffered a leg injury yesterday, uh, Wednesday, for those who are listening, maybe a day or two out. At Chiefs camp, my understanding, I'm told that he could be back right around the start of the regular season. Now, whether that means week one or week two, I, th- that obviously kind of depends on the rehab and how things go and how things heal. But the thought is that this is not going to be something that you know keeps him out for the season or keeps him out for a big chunk of the season. He, he, he could and should be back right around the start. So it is going to, however, keep him out most or maybe even all of training camp. Um, would be surprised if he played in a preseason game, anything like that. So it's it's a blow, but I got to say, I think it's more of a blow for Kyle Long than it is for the Chiefs. Um, right. because like, I wrote in stacking the box on Monday as my inside the league segment, the chiefs are very high 
on a couple of their rookies. Um, and I really should have expanded to three rookies, but I, I wanted to focus on the two guys who were kind of later picks. So Trey Smith, they, they could not be higher on Trey Smith. And I tweeted that out this morning. Hey, look, it's, 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 bre- it's a bad break for long. Sure, you don't want to have that injury, but it opens the door for a guy who I was told a week ago, look, he's got the capability to potentially be a day one starter. Well, now there's the opening for him to be a day one starter because Long had also played well on OTAs. Chiefs were happy with the way he looked. And so the thought was, well, you know, could Smith beat out Kyle Long right away? You know, you don't want to, you don't want to play the favorite of a rookie over the vet right off the bat. Well, now you don't have to worry about that because Kyle Long's hurt. So Trey Smith, like there's a there's a very real chance that he just does not give the job back. I and as some people have already asked me on Twitter, what about LDT? He's not there yet as he tries to get out of Canada, you know, with COVID and everything else going on. There's some more restrictions. It's a little more difficult. So they're working on that. I This part is my opinion. I don't know that LDT is making this team. In fact, if Kyle Long's healthy come week one, I don't think he will make the team. If Kyle Long's not healthy, then I, I think there's the spot for him. And then they have to make a decision here. But if Trey Smith plays well, and, and and all indications from what I'm told there is he is he's been phenomenal to this point. I I think he's starting week one. I really do. I mean, I you know, I've had sources around the team now for a handful of years, and I can't remember them being this excited about a rookie. And I wrote last year at the end of the training camp that well, Jerry Sneed was somebody to watch who they were really high on, and obviously he played great. The, the buzz around him was significant and obviously deservedly so. The buzz, at least on my end, uh, around Trey Smith is greater. Now, we'll, we got a whole, whole camp to go. We'll see how things shake, but that's where we stand right now here on June 10th. It's really interesting. I, you know, I think I, there's a, there was a question, and, and this is, goes back a few weeks now, of whether or not Kyle Long would even make the team. That it's, it was possible that Kyle Long or, or, or Duvernay Tardif could be the odd man out with all of the ammo that the chiefs and the young ammo that they've pumped into the offensive line. What is your stance on that? I mean, Kyle Long is a guy who had injuries at the end of his career. He's 32 years old. He comes back. He's trying to get back into football shape. Now he's going to miss all of camp. And then you got Duvenay Tardif. He's 30. So a little bit younger. Right. Has also had some injuries pop up. Um, has been reasonably durable throughout his career, but has had some injuries pop up. He hasn't played football in a year. How, do you think that there's a big t- talent wise, like let's say Kyle Long comes in and he's roughly as good as he was the last time we saw him play football. And the same thing for, for Duvernay Tardif, you're going with Kyle Long, right? But is the golf that wide that maybe the injury concerns and the age for Kyle Long, does that make them more even for you? So, I, I don't know, you know, with Kyle Long, look, he just has such a lengthy injury history. And I get it. You know, they took a flyer on it. They paid him, you know, for a pittance for a year. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, there's no downside, really. But I think it's extremely hard to rely on him. And I, I think, you know, look, Duvernay Tardif, he also took a year off. You know, obviously for a great reason, you know, to, to help treat people with COVID up in Canada using his medical license. But I think they really like Kyle Long. 
that being said, like if Long can't come back or they have to put him on the pup list, like if the rehab takes long, then you know, look, they might just say we'll keep we'll keep Duvernay Tardif for the year. Um, the other guy who gets completely forgotten is Andrew Wiley, who's also still there, um, who started for them all last season. I think he's probably the odd man out here. Although, again, you know, listen, we got a whole camp to go, right? You never know how these things shake. Nick Allegretti's another guy, played a lot of guard last year. Okay, really, I think he's better position center, but they have Blythe and they have Humphrey. So, you know, Brett Veach gave them a lot of options coming out of offseason. I mean, you got, an, you got an offensive line that has a million different options on it. And, you know, one thing we've talked about on the podcast, not to pivot a little bit, but um, I, I think we talked about like a month ago, is there a chance they'd play three rookies on this line? And you know, from from sources I've spoken to, I think it's really possible. Like, look, we know the left side. As long as they're healthy, it's Brown and it's and it's Tooney, right? Like, there's no there's no arguing that. That's what it is. Creed Humphrey right now is penciled in as a starter. He's the starting center for this team right now. Blythe is repping with the twos. Humphrey's repping with the ones. Like he's and Blythe's getting- a veteran and he's got starting experience, but it, he wasn't like an all pro. This wasn't no. all pro signing. This is it's a no. guy. It's a veteran guy, solid player. One average. year, nine hundred grand. Yeah. Okay, but uh, you know, Blight Blight is backing up Humphrey right now. So you have a rookie in the pivot. Then you go over. Trey Smith is your starting right guard right now. I mean that look that that's what it is. If he plays really well in camp, he's healthy in camp. He's in line to start week one. And then you go to right tackle. And that that I think is an interesting battle between Yang and Remmers. We'll see. I, I look, I'm I'm not closing that door on Mitchell Schwartz yet either. Um, but let's, you know, since Schwartz isn't on the team, we don't know if he's even gonna play football. Let's just focus on the other two guys right now who are in the team. Yang and Remmers, that that could be the battle to watch. I gotta tell you, I don't think there's gonna be much of a battle at center and right guard at this point. I think there would have been at right guard if Long was healthy. Now he's not healthy, he's out through camp. Humphrey and, and 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 Smith. Now that's even just two rookies next to each other on the interior. I mean that is a big deal. But the flip side of that is if it works out and they're both really good, then you've got major continuity. Like assuming they keep Orlando Brown Jr. long term, you now have your line going forward. You're all set. I mean maybe with Niang if he doesn't play and it's Remmers, all right, maybe you eventually have to do something to right tackle or or a, a change is made at right tackle down the road. But if, if Brown is signed long term and these other, you got these other guys, I mean, Tooney's there for five years. Humphrey's there on a four year rookie deal, as is Trey Smith, as is Niang. Like you are locked and loaded. And if that line is really good, three fifths of your line is cheap as can be. Now, now your, your left guard is, is record setting in terms of his contract. And I don't think Orlando Brown's signing for the minimum. He's going to get paid a good amount as well. But if you're the Chiefs, if you got a line that the oldest guy is Joe Tooney, who's in his mid twenties, and everybody's really good, like you're, you're in a great spot. You're in a spot then where you don't have to worry about that group for a long time. And obviously, considering who your quarterback is, that's extremely important. Yeah, and if if Nyang's who they think he is, who who, who they thought he, you've said many times that they thought he was a second round talent. Yeah. Uh, so you've got a couple guys that. Some smart drafting by Veach if everything holds up. Uh, it's been very exciting. So we asked you guys a bunch of questions, and you delivered, and we appreciate that because God knows Let me we need things to thing talk real about. Quick. Sure, um, sure. Go shoot. It, it factors into all the rookies who we've been talking about. 
as much as they like Trey Smith and as much as they like Creed Humphrey and they, and like I said, I, I can't remember. They, they love Trey Smith. They're as excited about Noah Gray tight end. I mean, now look, now he's not, he's not taking Kelsey's job. Okay. Let's, let's just, uh, let's put that to rest. Cause I know, I know if I don't say that, I'll get a tweet later. Hey, what do you think he's going to take away snaps? No, no, no. I could trust Kelsey's first, first bout hall of famer. Okay. But they've been looking for a second tight end for a long time. You know, for a while, Demetrius Harris, they were looking at, you know, guys like, remember way back in the day, like veteran guys like McGrath or Anthony Pisano. Okay. Uh, they had Ricky Shills Jones in for a cup of coffee. Kai, Nick Kaiser. I mean, they've been looking for a guy. And they, have, they are, are very, very happy with the early returns here on Noah Gray. And, you know, I'm told he's had as good of a, a camp as any of the rookies. Um, I'm very interested to see what they do with him because he's a guy who his size kind of allows you to move him all over the place if they want to. You know, they 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 could do it. I mean, Noah Gray is not quite the size of of Kelsey. He's tall, but his weight is not. I'm trying to get his exact weight here. Let me just pulse up real quick. So Noah Gray um, is officially listed by the NFL as as being six foot three. So he's a little couple inches short than Kelsey, 240 pounds, right? So he's obviously a tight end size, but he, you know, he's not a receiver, but he's, he's 15 pounds less than Kelsey, a couple inches shorter. I could see them moving him all over the place, you know, but that does that mean I think he's going to come out and play 40 snaps a game? No, I don't. But if they remain this high on him throughout camp, throughout the preseason, Andy Reid has shown they'll play guys. They don't care. If, if they think he's the best guy, they will play him immediately. Now, again, maybe that just means, you know, 10 more two tight end sets in a game. Maybe that means splitting them out, giving them some opportunity here and there. But the Chiefs, at least again, in the early goings, they feel very, very good about this rookie class. Uh, you know, and, and I haven't mentioned guys like Powell or Bolton. It doesn't mean they don't feel good about them. But I've just been told, you know, Humphrey, Smith, Gray, like they are very high on these kids here as we get ready to get into the summer. Very exciting. Very exciting stuff to hear. Just one last thing on the on the right tackle, battle for right tackle. You think no no chance for Donald Stevenson to make the team this year? Uh, I don't think Donald Stevenson could make uh, right bench on this team, <laughs> which, is, which is good news. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so one of the questions that we got from you all was this first one came from uh, at KC571V. Uh, this person wants to know what we think about the offensive line gelling. Pretty much a brand new line for the Chiefs this year. Do you have concerns about that, especially with the number of rookies that could potentially be starting? Well, we talked about it a little, right? Um, I think you're a fool if you don't have any concern. It's it's three. Yeah, you know, if if that was the way it shakes, and I I think there's a real chance it does. I I think for you know a gambling man's purposes, I think there's a very good chance that two rookies are starting. Um, very very good. But yeah, you have to be concerned. I don't care how good you look in camp, how good you look in in, in practice when you got shells on. Okay. That's a whole other animal when you're in a regular season game. And, you know, I, I'll tell you right now, I'll give you the game I'd be most concerned about early is week two against the Ravens because they blitz like crazy. You better be ready. You better have a lot of communication because all it takes is you missing one blitz pickup 
and Patrick Mahomes is wearing it. That would be my big concern. Is now look, you you have Mahomes who has been now in the league for a few years, who's very smart, who will help them get into the right protections. Like that, and that matters. That that shouldn't be understated. Right? That's important, especially with the rookie center Creed Humphrey. Okay, he made all the calls in college, but college is a ways away from the pros. They are going to see things in the pros that they have not seen in the Big 12. Okay, so, yeah, concerned, yes. Now, I do think it also does matter that the Chiefs would have, you know, in that scenario, they would have good backups everywhere, right? You'd have Remmers, who's a backup, stalwart, veteran tackle. You'd have either LDT or Long, backup at right guard. Um, you'd have Blythe at center. So these kids would have a safety net. If it doesn't go well, you could go to one of those vets and feel confident that your line's not going to have some big drop-off. But yes, what I have concern, yes. But I will say this. I think ultimately you play who the best players are. And if Kansas City comes out of camp and they think those are the three best guys for those spots, you play them. You play them and you live with a little bit of growing pains. But you do have to also factor in, look, we are protecting Patrick Mahomes here. Like it, you can't have growing pains to the point where Mahomes just takes some blindside hit and gets creamed. Although luckily, you're probably not going to take a blindside hit considering who your left side is. So at least Mahomes will probably see it coming. But still, yeah, concern, of course. Three rookies, yeah, you, you have to have some concern. But you also have to look at it like this. If the Chiefs feel confident enough to put three rookies in front of Mahomes, they must be pretty damn good. So, you know, that also gets factored into the equation. Yeah, I think, you know, any – any former player will tell you that that, that line's got to work together. They have to work as a unit and they need to know their assignments and they need to know, you know, teams, defenses throw a lot of stuff at you. They run stunts. They get guys coming from all over. They're trying to trick you. So everybody needs to be on the same page about who's taking who. But I think that these guys are, you know, they've been playing football their whole lives. They, they, you know, there's, they've seen some of these things before. Um, I think they'll be all right. Yeah. Maybe you get some growing pains early on in the season, but because of all the firepower that the Chiefs have on offense, teams got to be careful, right? Like they've got to be careful. And if the line is talented and the line can block, they got a few mistakes. Mahomes got escapability. I'm not terribly concerned about it. And to your point, the left side of that line should be almost impenetrable, which is exactly what you want when, you know, you've got a half a billion dollar quarterback back there. Um Second question comes from uh, the artist formerly known as Doug. He's at, at D-W-O-V-E-R Drive on Twitter. He wants to know, I thought this was a curious question. He wants to know where the pass rush is going to come from. It's a good question. I would say the interior would be the short answer. Um, I love the, the In fact, the, the tackle combination, I think it's the best in the NFL. I really do. Um, now, Make the argument that Aaron Donald and me is the best combination in the NFL, considering how great Aaron Donald is. But in terms of just two guys next to each other, I mean they're right there, right? Like as far as interior pass rushers, you want to make an argument over in Pittsburgh with Hayward and Tewitt or something. Fine, um, although those guys kind of play more of that three-four end. But look, Jones is a monster. We know this. Okay, Jerron Reed is a really, really good player. Um, I can tell you firsthand that. I talked to people in the league, including around Kansas City, who were shocked Jerron Reed got released. Shocked. Absolutely thought he was going to get traded. A lot of people in the league thought he was going to get traded. And when he got released, there's a lot of interest. Buffalo was in on him. 
Um, if I remember right, and I don't want to get this wrong, I think Dallas was as well. Kansas City ends up getting them for the one-year deal. So I think the pass rush is going to come from inside. But I do agree though with Doug. That is a real concern because I really thought and I still believe that she should have gotten one more guy for the edge. Um, they drafted Joshua Kindo in the, in the fourth round out of Florida State, okay, who's a guy who you're really projecting because he was not great in college. He came in as a big prospect, really never panned out. You have Mike Dana, who I actually really like Mike Dana. Like, I, I think he's a good player. I don't know that he's ever going to be somebody who you're like, oh, my God, how do we block him? But he, I think he's good. It was really impressive how smart he was last year. I can't remember how many times some team would try to run an action at him, and he just knew exactly what to do. That stuff always impresses me. If he had 10% more athletic ability, I think he'd be a great player. Um, look, you have Frank Clark. I'll tell you right now, this is this is a contract here for Frank Clark, whether he wants to think it is or not. They could move on from him after this season. And if it doesn't go well, if he doesn't play well, it's very possible. Because when you look at Kansas City, now we don't know what the cap's going to be for you know, yet next year. We have no idea what the cap's going to be. We know that it's at least going to be uh, you know, around – I'm trying to think of the report. I think it was like 208, something like that. Um, or excuse me, that that was the ceiling that they don't need. You know what? Look, we're looking at. I'm guessing around, you know, at least 205 somewhere. With that being said, according to over the cap, Chiefs have about 19 million in cap space as they stand right now. But you've got to remember, they're also going to extend Tyron Matthew. I would think. I would imagine, uh, knowing how they feel about him, I'd be shocked if they don't. And then also, you have Orlando Brown, and what could be a very expensive you know, cap charge if they have to tag him next year. Frank Clark is due 26.3 million against the cap. Okay. It's the third highest cap hit on the team behind Mahomes and, and Chris Jones and Mahomes. God knows will probably just convert that money over and save the money against the cap. So 26.3, if they were to cut Frank Clark prior to June one, they'd save 12.7 million. Now they eat 13.6, but they'd save 12.7. If they cut him post June one, they save 19.5. He better play well this year or he's gone. Like that is way too much there with them needing money and everything else that even, even pre June one. Yeah. You're eating a lot of money, but that's a lot of money like that. You know, the, the other guy who, who you look at and say, well, what about him? Anthony Hitchens, they'd save 8.5 million. It's a good chance that between Willie Gay and, and Nick Bolton, if they play well, this might be his last year. So look, my answer is, Clark, Jones, and Reed. And if, if there's every year, the, the great late Therese Paler used to always say the contract year is undefeated. This may not technically be a contract year for Frank Clark. It's a contract year for Frank Clark. For a guy like Frank Clark with what he's making, how many sacks do you expect out of him in the regular season? I think you got to have around 12. I mean, you, you listen, for the amount of, he's making, he's got a $100 million contract. Like, Look, he's been great in the playoffs, and they would not have won the Super Bowl without him. So I'm not sitting here saying that deal is a disaster or anything like that, because if they didn't trade for him, they probably would have signed D Ford. And I think we can all agree they made the right move in trading away D Ford. But he's not lived up to expectation the regular season. He has been good. I don't want to look. Let's not get it twisted. He's been good, but you didn't pay him 105 million to be good. You paid him to be great. And Frank Clark has not been great. He's been a good player. But if they can save that amount of money next year, okay, I think if he goes out and has another year, he has seven sacks, they're not paying him that kind of money. I'd be shocked if they do. You know, he's made the Pro Bowl each year in Kansas City, but let's be honest, eight sacks in 2019. Okay, he played through some injury. At the end of the year, he was much, much better. 
and he was great in the postseason at five sacks in the playoffs. Last year, played 15 games, had six sacks. It's six sacks, 29 yeah, it's tackles. It's not getting it done. It's not getting it's not, it done. No way. No way. And you're going mean, to end Darius up going Sneed against good sacks. quarterbacks. You need like a guy like Tom Brady. You you can't. You got to get pressure on him. You have to, or he's just going to. I don't care how old he is, he'll carve you up. Right. And and do you think that that's part of like the the investment in the interior of that line? I mean, that's the that's kind of the book on Brady, right? Get pressure up the middle. Get him off his spot. Mess up his everything. Do you think that they were thinking in the back of their mind? I mean, you know, get as many good players as you can, right? Jerron Reed's available. Sign him if you can. But do you think that in the back of Veach's mind a little bit, he's thinking about maybe a rematch with the Bucks? Honestly, I don't. I think it's more about the fact that, look, Reed was just there and he's a really good player. But also, I think more than anything, it's about, look, if we can get Reed in here, Jones is going to get doubled all the time. But now it should single up Clark more one-on-one. It should be harder to chip. It should single up Reed one-on-one, where last year they were playing Naughty and Sharon Wharton, who are good players, but they're not the pass rushers at this point that Reed is. I mean, Naughty's a run stuffer, right? You, but you look at last year, they know it wasn't good enough. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. You go down and look. I mean, Chris Jones led the team with seven and a half sacks, down here by his standards. Clark, which, by the way, is still great for an interior rusher, but for him, I mean, he normally has almost double that. Frank Clark had six. Now you lose Passione, who did nothing. He had a sack. Wharton had two sacks. Dana had two and a half sacks. I think the of all the guys who you look at and say, you, you might be looking at a sleeper. I think it's Dana because Dana did not play a ton of snaps last season. Like that's the one thing that, you know, you say, well, only two and a half sacks. Okay, fine. Sure. Um, but he didn't play. A ton of snaps. Like I'm gonna, I'm pulling it up right now. You know, he was a guy who, so defensively, their snap counts last season, he played 31 percent of their snaps defensively. Wharton played, uh, let's see, Wharton played 48 percent, and then Frank Clark played 70 percent. Jones played 65 percent. Like to me, look, they, they, they need more out of their edge rushes. Okafor is gone as well. But yeah, I do think, you know, look, it, one guy who I, I should mention, because he was good before he got hurt and they brought him, is Taco Charlton. He actually played well. You know, he, only two sacks in seven games. He got a lot of pressure. He got hurt. He is back in the mix. So he's another guy. They're going to need something. And that is, my, that is my biggest concern going into the year is their pass rush. No doubt about it. But I think the interior is excellent. All right, we're going to take our last break. On the other side, could Richard Sherman come to Kansas City? We'll let you know what we think. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. All right, we are back. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. So our next question came from Will Regatz. He's at, at Will, R-A-G-A-T-Z, on Twitter. Um and he asked, no, I'm sorry, that wasn't Will. Will didn't ask the question. I'm in the wrong damn tweet. Uh, this one came from uh, at F-A-R-T-K-O-W-S-K-I. Is there a chance that Richard Sherman comes to Kansas City now that Breland is off the table? Richard Sherman, of course, once excellent player, has been 
uh, with the Seahawks and, and played in the Super Bowl and got smoked by, <laughs> by Sammy Watkins on an infamous play to help the Chiefs win the Super Bowl when he was with the 49ers. He's now 33 years old. Yep. He was never that fast to begin with. 4 5 40, you know, just great instinctual player. Big. He's 6 3. Still out there. Is this is this somebody you even want on the team? Old cornerbacks usually don't work out. I would be shocked if he ends up on the team. I, and not because he's not a good player. He's a Hall of Fame player. But both in Seattle and in San Francisco, they played a lot of cover three. The Chiefs play a lot of man. They, they play a lot of, of up-in-your-face, press man coverage. It's not really a fit for Richard Sherman. Like I think Richard Sherman in Kansas City would be a very bad idea. He can't run. And at, at this point, like Kansas City, now look, you'd say, well, Breland can't run, but Breland would maul the hell out of somebody at the line of scrimmage. Like, could Sherman come in and play well? I mean, look, he's, he's a Hall of Fame town. I'm not saying the guy would get beaten like a drum. We're not talking about Stanford route here. But um, I don't see it. I, I would I would be surprised. I, I think the Chiefs going into camp, look, you, you got Snead. Um, you have Ward, who I think is another guy that's making a break for him this year. You have Fenton, who I like. I, I think Rashad Fenton's underrated. Then you have Baker, okay, who's a guy who they felt last year. I was told last year when they traded for him that, look, this is going to be kind of a learning year. The 2020 was going to be a learning year for him. Unfortunately, has that broken leg in week 17. Um, and and I'll, I'll actually, now that I think about it, I'll do a little work on that, see where he's at. But um, they believed that he was going to start, or, or no, I shouldn't, excuse me, they believed he was going to compete to start um, this year, that he was going to, he was going to compete for a starting job in camp. So um, am I, am I like feeling over the moon about the secondary? I love the safeties. I think the corners are solid, but I would have liked to have seen them brought back Breland. I, I, I would have. I think it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake. My understanding was they just don't want to go below, um, you know, a certain amount of money in, in, in kitty cash space. But I think Breland would have been worth $4 million. And I get it. It would have made them tight against the cap. And, and by the way, that's not the, just the cheese. A lot of teams, you know, you keep money around for injury you keep money around for you know the practice squad, or whatever. I thought it was an, I thought it was an error to let Breland walk, but they did, and so they're stuck with, the, with that situation now. Yeah, I just don't think I don't think Richard Sherman's the answer. Look, I love Richard Sherman. I admire the hell out of him. He's a he's a leader. He's a passionate player. I think he would bring some some fire and leadership to that defense. But can he get it done on the? I you know it's like one of those things. Like, would you rather invest? If he's going to be, if he's at a back end of the roster guy, if he's a depth play, would you rather invest the time in, in somebody like him or would you rather invest that time in a young guy you're trying to develop, like a Bo Pete Keys, one of these guys? And I think you got to go with the young guys because you know that, you know that there's, there's only downside with Richard Sherman, right? Like on the field, it, he can only get worse. He's not going to come out and, and have a revival season at probably at, at age 32. Right. Right? right, so why not invest in one of these guys who, while they don't have that football IQ or maybe the leadership of a Richard Sherman, 
you don't want either of them on the field maybe anyway right now. So let the let the young guy develop and learn and 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 see what he can do. Um, I just I just don't think I just don't think it's the right move for the Chiefs. Um, and I love veteran leadership plays, and I think in in certain situations, go for it. But this is one of those ones where. You know, offensive line. I'm not not taking away from the athleticism of the offensive linemen, but you, you we're going against these young young bucks out there, man, and you're you're running backwards. It's 32 is long in the tooth. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on to the next one. Um, so this one came from. Let me pull it up here, and we really appreciate you guys sending us these questions over the weekend. Saved me a ton of time this morning. Uh, this one came from uh, from Bam. Uh, at, at B-R-N-D-O-C-A-L-R-I-Z-Z-I-A-N, Brando Calrissian. Um, he says, is there an update on Melvin Ingram? Update on how the starting line is unfolding. Uh, how much better do you think Clyde will be with the new line? Let's go with let's go with Melvin Ingram. What do you think, Vertoran? Is this, is this an answer still? It's possible. Um, I reported way back when they had the visit. The visit went well. They they went well, but that they you know obviously did not sign him. Um, and my understanding was that they didn't expect to sign him going into the visit. That both sides it was kind of a fact finding thing. How's your health? How you doing? Here's what we're doing here. Um, this could simply be a case of just he might want more money than teams are willing to pay him. And you know, I think you're seeing that now. Some of these veterans who are still out there. There's a reason they're still out there. Right? Like. If you're Melvin Ingram, you probably don't want a one-year prove-it deal. But the reality is you're getting a one-year prove-it deal, whether it's in Kansas City or elsewhere. Now, you know, I, I think signing Jerron Reed might have maybe moved the Chiefs off Ingram a little bit. Um, even though it's a different position, it is the pass-rushing help they were looking for. Again, I I hear the fans, man. I get it. And I, I think they should add an edge rusher. I do. I'll tell you right now, I'd sign Justin Houston. That's who I'd sign. I'd bring him back. And not not because he was a chief. I just think he's the better player at this point. He's averaged 10 sacks over the last two years in Indy. He didn't miss a game. So to me, he's healthier and he's been better over the last couple of years than Melvin Ingram has. I would I would bring in Justin Houston if he was wanting to come back. And I got to think if you're Justin Houston, like, why wouldn't you come back? I mean, they seemingly left on good terms. Um you know, I, I don't I don't see why they, they wouldn't if if the Chiefs were interested. But doesn't seem that that's been you know, a, a big uh, talking point at this juncture. But I think Ingram's still possible. you know. But the Chiefs right now, I'll say this. Until the Chiefs make a move to open up some financial flexibility, I do not think the Chiefs are doing anything. No, I don't. I, I really don't. I think the Chiefs, you know, until they pro- probably you know extend Tyron Matthew, which would open up space, I just don't think you should expect the Chiefs to be active. Why do you think... I mean, Justin Houston had eight sacks last year. Uh, why is he still out there on the scrap heap? I don't know. I, I don't know. My my guess would be that my, my my guess would be that again, he's probably a guy who's asking for a little more money than he's going to get. And and I don't know that for fact, so please don't take it as I. That's just that's my opinion. Is you know guys who are out there that are that are really 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 
good players who have been really good players for a long time. Sherman, Ingram, Houston, they all fit that bill. You have to think that maybe it's, you know, asking for a multi-year deal or asking for a few more million per year than a team's willing to give up. But I think I think Houston's going to really help somebody. Like, I'll tell you right now, if I were the Buffalo Bills who need pass rush help, and I know they drafted two address early, I'd be all over these guys. All over them. I, you know, I, I think if, if you're the if you're the Titans, like add a guy next to Bud Dupree. Like these I'm surprised the Colts haven't brought back Justin Houston. Who the hell's rushing the passer for them outside of Buckner? Like, so I and I get it, and they're another team, by the way, drafted a pass rusher in the first round. But I absolutely think the Chiefs need more pass rush. I'm in that camp. When any fan of feels that way, I agree with you. I think if there's one area Brett Beach could have shored up a little more and he didn't, it's that area. I think I think they had a home run off season in most most places. But that area, if you said to me, if they don't win the Super Bowl this year and it's not because of injuries, what's the biggest reason? That's the reason. Is they get into a game where they face a big-time quarterback and they just cannot get home off days? Now, granted, you've got Reed, you've got Jones, you've got Clark. That should, in theory, be enough. There are not too many teams with those three guys up front, okay? So I could also make a case that Clark playing in what is a in a basic contract year plays much better. Jones and Reed are dominant inside, and it's not a problem, right? You factor in some blitzing from Spagnolo, But I could also give you a case where Clark doesn't play better. And Jones and Reed, I think, no matter what, are going to be very good. But like all of a sudden now, you know, lines are pinching in and they're not as worried about your edge rushing. And now you've got a blitz and it, there's that there's a trickle down effect. So I think that would have been mitigated if they had brought in an Ingram, if they had brought in a Justin Houston. Then I think I, I think you've basically insured yourself against that kind of a problem. And they'll just blitz Legarius needs some more. Best best edge rusher on the team. <laughs> so um all right, we're, we're going to get to some fun here in a minute with some serial rankings. But last question I wanted to get to was about our old friend, Eddie Kennison. And I thought this was a really interesting question because everyone has been talking about the number two wide receiver. Who's, who's going to be? Can Hardman be good enough? We didn't get Julio Jones. We had some questions about that. But Jeff from at Chiefs Tigers win on Twitter asks, he wants us to talk about how Eddie Kennison became a 1,000-yard receiver. Now, if you remember Eddie Kennison's career before he got to Kansas City, fine player, not a number one receiver, right? Um, Jeff wants to know how Eddie Kennison, he wants us to talk about how Eddie Kennison became a 1,000-yard receiver behind a stellar offensive line, which allowed six to seven seconds to get open. Seven seconds might be a little bit of a stretch there, but it was a good, it was a good line, and Eddie Kennison did flourish when he got to Kansas City. So I think what he's getting at is, hey, listen, this is going to be a different ball game this year with this new offensive line. The pass protection is going to be better for Mahomes. Do you see, do you think Eddie Kennison's surge was because, was it scheme? Was it because of the offensive line? And could it impact uh, the receivers this year by having a better offensive line? I love this because I've been saying this on Stack in the Box, and I've written it, I believe, once or twice. I think the fact their offensive line is a lot better is going to make McCall Hardman better. It's going to make Demarcus Robinson better. More time. In the NFL, a half second's a lot of time to get open. It's a lot of time. And it's going to make Mahomes even better. Like That's the scary part. It's going to make him better. 
it's going to make, you know, it, if you give him a second and a half and then he's got to run, he's still great. He's proven that. Okay. But like anybody, he's minimized. If Mahomes has three seconds to stand back and throw the football, he's going to complete the pass. Okay. There's, there's somebody who's going to get open on this team, whether it's Hill or Kelsey or Hardman or Edwards Alaire or, you know, whoever the case, Robinson, Pringle, you name it. Maybe Noah Gray. Um, like, I, I think that's a great point. And yes, I think it does make them better. It absolutely makes them better. It makes everybody better. Look, the offensive line is the least sexy part of an offense. Everybody talks about the receivers. Everybody talks with Kansas City about the tight end. Everybody talks about Mahomes, and rightfully so. They have great, unbelievable players at all those positions. That offensive line last year became a problem and ultimately became their downfall. Okay, I will forever believe if they had a, if they had a really good offensive line in that Super Bowl, they probably would have won the game, but they didn't, and that's, that's why they lost, and they deserved to lose. They got their asses kicked. Veach went into this offseason basically vowing that that is never going to happen again. This line should be phenomenal. This should be a top five line in the NFL, bare minimum top eight. And if they're that, in front of Mahomes, and also, by the way, worth noting, in front of Edwards Alaire, like that changes. When you have a line that's that great, it changes everything. And now, now look, I'm not comparing this team's offensive line, which I haven't even seen yet, to the line that she's used to have. Okay, because that line had Rofe and Shields, who were immense, immense talents, both Hall of Famers. Waters, who was a great player. Wigman, who was a really good player. Go back and watch a Chiefs game from that era and just watch Trent Green. There is nobody near him for two seconds, three seconds, four seconds. Go back and watch if you can stomach it, the playoff game where they lost that no-punt game. There are times with Priest Holmes, he runs There's eight yards before he gets touched, literally. It's almost comical how ridiculous they are up front. If the, if this line's 80% of that, everybody's going to get better. And that is a scary thought. That's why I said, I think it was last week on the podcast, I think this is going to be the best offense this team's ever had. I really do. And it's because of their line. I think it's a great point. And I think a lot of people, this is an easy thing to forget. Most of those plays that, that Andy Reid draws up, guess who they're designed to go to? Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. If you're Patrick Mahomes, when you drop back to pass, who are you looking for first? You're looking for Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. So if the line's not good, guys like McCole Hardman, guys like Byron Pringle and Marcus Robinson, who are, who are the third option anyway on the team, on, on a lot of those plays, third look, by the time Mahomes gets to them, it just might be too late. He's got to run. He's got to go the other way. It, it, there's just not time. And and so, you know, we 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 hate on these guys a lot for not putting up a thousand yards when they're the third option on a on a football team with with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, but he needs time to get through his progressions. And sometimes he makes plays to those guys because they're running around. And credit to Marcus Robinson's great. It just he keeps moving. He right? is. He's very and, good at that. And and, and but but. Ideally, he's also running a route, and if if Mahomes has it, doesn't have to move off his spot, and he can get to options three and options four on occasion, those guys are going to make plays because they're talented, they're fast, and uh, and so I think that's a really excellent point, and it's going to be exciting to see how it all plays out. 
I've got high hopes for Nicole Hardman this year. I know we've been saying we said that all of us said that last year, but this is a great opportunity for him. And don't don't think he doesn't know it. You know, and and I'll I'll just very quickly add this. I think Nicole Hardman certainly there's more right. Like we see the talent, and I think that's where the frustration comes in because it's like, man, he could be so good. Nicole Hardman's been a good player. Like this idea that like he's some huge bust. He's not been DK Metcalf who they could have drafted. Okay, but my God, you could sit there and do that with every draft ever. Okay, very rarely are you the team that took that guy, right? Like, it's just the way it works. But Hardman's been a good player, man. I mean, he's got 10 receiving touchdowns in two years, 1,100 receiving yards. I mean, he's averaging 550 yards, which, by the way, he's been right at that basically both years, 538 and 560, okay? If you're you're the third option on the team, all right, and you've got 550 yards, five touchdowns, you're a good returner. That's not a bad job. Like this idea that he's just been lackluster and he can't play, it's just, it's it's over the top. I mean, the guy made the Pro Bowl his rookie year as a returner, deservedly so. I mean, my my biggest complaint with McCole Hardman has been the fumbling at times. You know, he's fumbled the ball four times in his career. Um you know, obviously, had that one the AFC title game. You know, that that is my biggest concern, right? Um, although I will know he's never fumbled the ball on offense; he's only fumbled it on special teams. But he still fumbled it. That is my biggest problem. Sometimes not knowing when it's just a fair catch the football. But I do think there's another level. I mean, this is again, this is another guy. Okay, so we're I'm going to go right into it real quickly with the snap count stuff. Um, it's not like he's playing eighty percent of the snaps for this team. Yeah, it, that would be a little bit different if you're like, well, he's on the field all time and he's a zero factor. I mean, last year, last year, he only played 45% of the snaps. Like Robinson played 65% of them. Hardman played 45% of them. Sammy Watkins, despite missing like what felt like a half the season, played more snaps. So... I think you do have to factor that in. I would like to see the Chiefs, like last year, Hardman had 499 offensive snaps. I'd like to see him get 750, which would, if you base it off last year, put him at about 67, 68%. I'd like to see him get that kind of snap count and see what he can do. I think if he got that, I think he could be somebody who could put up 800 yards. And if he does that next to Kelsey and Hill, that's great because people always think, well, wide receiver two, wide receiver two. He's not, look, yes, on the depth chart, he's the number two receiver, if you want him or Robinson, whatever you want to put there. They're the third guy. Kelsey and Hill are wide receivers one and two. Like, I don't care that Kelsey's a tight end. Kelsey is targeted more than anybody. He's the number one receiver on this team. Hill's number two. Then you get into who's number three. So you also have to keep that in mind. I think people see wide receiver two and they think, well, he should be a thousand yard guy, but he's really the third guy. And that's his role on this team. Not to be the number two. If he had a thousand yards, my God, Mahomes would be thrown for 5,800 yards this year. That would be nice. Um, All right. (laughs) So uh, a little fun for you as we head out here. Um, David uh, on Twitter uh, at chiefs, two, four, seven, three, six, five wants to know he wants us to rank some cereals that's the one thing that we do on this podcast thought we try new cereals we talk about cereal a lot 
So this is, he gave us a list, again, uh, uh, 20, uh, but t- you know, technically 19 because we grouped two together. Captain Crunch, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries, Peanut Butter Captain Crunch, Cocoa Puffs, Corn Pops, Apple Jacks, Tricks, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Cookie Crisp, Frosted Flakes, Lucky Charms, Honeycomb, King Vitamin, Fruity and Cocoa Pebbles, Fruit Loops, Life, Golden Grams, and Count Chocula, and of course, Boo Berry. Great list, great idea. So we we, we basically had a, we, we kind of ranked and we kind of had like a draft. We worked together on this list. So let's, I'll, I'll start at the bottom and then, and then we can maybe alternate these vertebrams. So I, we got to hit him in a second, but breaking news, we got the preseason oh. schedule. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Who we got? So we got it. Hopefully people didn't, didn't tune out, didn't tune out. Preseason schedule real quick. Don't forget only three games now because we have the 17 game schedule. The Chiefs have two of the three on the road because it's the AFC team. They have nine home games during the regular season. So they'll alternate all these things. August 14th. You will see them in San Francisco. And holy crap, I just realized I'm actually going to be out in San Francisco. It's going to be my first day of vacation. So I'm oh, nice. uh, going to have to convince the wife to go to that game. Uh, Got some work they to are, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah it'd be interesting. At San Francisco, 830 uh, Eastern, so 730 Central. Then they play on Monday night football. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I saw the ESPN. They play Friday night football. Friday night football against the Cardinals. Um, and that's also on the road, seven central, and they finish up at home, Minnesota coming into town, seven central on August 27th. So August 14th, the opener at San Francisco, seven thirty central, then Friday nights a nationally televised game, seven central on ESPN at Arizona. And then they come home August 27th, Minnesota Vikings in town, seven central. So there is your preseason schedule. The, the Bashad Breeland revenge game. Yes. Like start yes. the narratives oh. now. <laughs> do you think, just real quick, before we get to these serial rankings, do you think yeah. that Andy and coaches, how are they going to approach this three-game preseason? Are they going to approach it like they did before, essentially, where the, the last preseason game is the most important, it's the scrimmage, or are they going to pretend, are they going to do it where it's you know, the first game, they play a little bit, second game is your scrimmage, and then the, it's the young guys in that, in that last preseason game? Because that was a huge opportunity for young guys around the league yeah. to get extended, even though the games are trashed, that fourth preseason game, because there's no game plan and you know that they, they haven't played together. Really good, but, but some guys can show out a little bit. What, what do you think it's going to be? You know, man, it's a great question. And it well, obviously we're just kind of guessing here. Um, I think they're going to play a lot of starters. You know, the, the first week I think will still kind of look the same. Like I, I think, you know, the starters will play a quarter, maybe maybe it's a little bit longer. And then I think that second game they're going to play a half. And the third game, you know, the one thing to note here, the third game is August 27th. There's like two and a half weeks. Well, I understand. I do the math in my head. There yeah, like there's like two and a half weeks, unless I'm losing my mind, between the end of the preseason and the regular season. Because of that – so the last game's August 27th for Kansas City, which I think it's the same for everybody that last game. And that's a that's a Friday. And then the, the Chiefs' first game is Sunday, September 12th. So you're talking about – yeah, I mean, you're talking a little, little less, like 16 days, okay, um, 15 days. So that's two week layoff. Like maybe they even will get a series or two in that last game, you know. But I, 
I would expect the second game now to kind of be the game where you see the most action from the starters. And I still think that third game is going to be that, hey, let's get one more valuation. Let's play these young kids. Let's see what we've got. So I think what you're kind of eliminating is the old school second preseason game. I think you're kind of getting – I still think the first game is going to be kind of, hey, let's just dip our toe in the water. I think that second game basically becomes what the third preseason game used to be. And then the fourth one I still think is the is the fourth is, – is, you know, the last one, uh, now the third game. But I think it'll just be maybe you see the starters for a series or to, just to kind of, you know, keep them sharp here as there's a little bit of a longer layoff. Makes sense. And, you know, for different for every team, obviously, but for a veteran team like Kansas City, there's, you know – Andy's probably going to want to get a, a look at those young guys on the line and some action, but everybody else, you know, Mahomes, Kelsey Hill, he doesn't, he knows what those guys bring to the table. Okay. So let's get to it. So number 19 here on this cereal list, we put down at the bottom and I, I, I was okay with the cereal. I liked it, but the, the, the guy was kind of creepy on the box. King vitamin. If you look up, there's a cartoon King vitamin now, but if you look at the old school King vitamin, yeah, just not not who I want to see on my kid's cereal box. Like a seventy year old man, kind of creepily in a in a Halloween costume. So he gets number nineteen. Uh, what do we got for eighteen here, Bird? Around for eighteen, a booberry, booberry. And by the way, I'm looking at this King Vitamin. You're not kidding, right? It's just, it's just King, not King Vitamin. There's there's a there's a good <laughs> to almost ironclad chance he's done hardcore time, but um, <laughs> in any event. 18 Booberry. Uh, we got, and, and we were given these 19 cereals here as, in uh, list form. You know, I, I, I probably, I don't, I don't know that Booberry makes my top 20, but it's making 18 on this list. That's right. Number 17. I think this might surprise some people. Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries, but you're not a big fan of the Crunch Berries. Eh. I like them all right. And look, I don't want, I don't want any that talks about fruit in my cereal unless we're talking about like just the flavor, which we'll get to that in a little bit here. Yeah, I think there's better options for the fruit, and there's better Captain Crunches, and I think that's what yeah. hurt Crunch Berries. Yeah, it knocks at, at it down point. the list. It, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 Walmart Captain Crunch. Um, <laughs> Sixteen got corn pops. I got to really be in the mood, and I don't want to I don't want to offend my Midwestern brethren here because I know corn out here is like the the lifeblood of the uh, the area. But right, yeah, I like corn in my tacos, not so much in my cereal. But I've had corn pops, and you know I've lived to tell the tale. <laughs> number 15 uh, i picked this one life you know i like life but you know what's better and is not on the list is cinnamon life cinnamon yeah. life is terrific life's got some good uh, i like the texture of life enjoyable uh what do we got at 14 frosted flakes just kind of like life just a solid cereal you know nothing nothing fancy nothing great but you know it's a kind of cereal i'm not going out and buying but also, like, if it's at like my grandparents' house, and that's all the the, it's the only option I've got, like, I'm not going to throw my nose up at it either. Yeah, you're not going to eat it over. I mean, it's it's cornflakes with, with with frosted sugar on it, and yeah. you know, my my old man used to try to you know he, I, he'd always buy these giant cheap boxes of cornflakes with Cornelius the Rooster on them, and I get pissed off, and then I thought to myself, you know what, I'm just going to dump a ton of sugar on this, and I got frosted flakes. But I wanted Tony the Tiger. Great mascot and Tony the Tiger um, for as far as cereals go. Uh, number 13, Trix. They're for the, the, the next fruit cereal on our list. Trix is just different, man. It's good stuff. It's all right. It's cool. I, you know, I, we used to have Trix occasionally as a kid. I was never a huge fan, but it's, uh, 
it's fine. It's again a solid cereal. And again, number twelve on the list is the uniquest, uh, uniquest. Okay, the most, most unique. unique. <laughs> uh, I, I only edit and write for a living. That's um, right. Yeah, honeycomb. Honeycomb. Yeah, I love honeycomb. Always a fan. Always liked it as a kid. I feel like we had it all the time. Yeah. I don't know what. Maybe it was just like one summer we had it all the time. But I always I just remember. Kind of like you were saying, like we got the big box and we just had honeycomb. And it was like, oh, yeah. there's nothing to eat. Well, there's 18 pounds of honeycomb going nuts. Right. And the cereal's huge too. The actual honeycombs themselves yes. are quite large. Um, next up at number 11, the Captain, Captain Crunch, but just OG Captain Crunch, number 11, a classic cereal, very solid choice. But again, they put out better versions of the cereal. That we're gonna get to in a little bit. Sure. Right. Top ten. Now things are getting serious. Yeah, yeah. One golden grams here. A solid. A, another. A, just a, a above average cereal. Like it. You know, I'm not somebody who likes so, like soggy cereal. That's just it gets soggy oh, fast. It does get soggy eat, fast. You gotta eat fast. You gotta eat like a vacuum. But I. That's the only like I. I don't get people who sit there and, like marinate with their cereal. Cereal that gets soggy grosses me out, man. Like, I'll throw it out. Do you know what the tr- the trick with golden grams is? You pour the milk. You got to pour your milk in first, and then you pour the golden grams on top, and it floats on top of the milk. If That's you pour the milk over it, it's still going to get soggy. You got to can't slosh it around. You got to be careful when you when you're spooning it out. But that's too much work for me. It's great to eat out of the box. I think it's better than than when in milk is golden grams. Okay, number nine, a personal favorite of mine, Lucky Charms. Um, Lucky Charms, absolutely incredible. The, the mushroom, the the, uh, the marshmallows are big. They're colorful. If you're a kid, you know you're getting the rainbows, you're getting the the, the shamrocks, the little pots of gold, all that stuff. Super fun. Love Lucky Charms. The base cereal is basically alphabets, um, and yeah. that the alphabets not on this list. And I think you know Lucky Charms is good, but it's inferior to Count Chocula. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, and of course, we're gonna get here to Count Chocula in a little bit. Um, but I, I love Lucky Charms. I love the marshmallows. The, the the milk like turns green, but I don't care. I drink it anyway. Um, all right, eight Fruit Loops. We said we we're gonna get into some fruit stuff. Well, here it comes. Here comes the run on fruity cereals. Big fan. We got the toucan. I can't remember his name. I want to say it's like Sam the toucan, but I could be wrong. Um, Fruit Loops is great. It's like a dessert. I'm a big fan. All day, every day, um, just a, a timeless classic. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, often used in desserts as well, um, so it shows its versatility. And at number at number seven, another cereal that is often used in desserts is these two were grouped together, and we just kept them grouped together: fruity and cocoa pebbles. I, you know, obviously as a kid, chocolate, right? You're going all in on the Cocoa Pebbles. You get the chocolate milk by the time you're done. It's a huge win. But later, so as I got into junior high and high school, I, I really, really loved Fruity Pebbles. It's a, it's a great texture. You get a bunch of them in there. They stay crispy, and it's, it's absolutely delicious. So Fruity Pebbles, Cocoa Pebbles, bringing up number seven. And the run on sort of Fruity Cereals continues. What do we got at number six, Ferdinand? Apple Jacks. Incredibly mm-hmm. underrated. Yeah. Very good. Very good cereal. And makes the milk taste so sweet. It's just off. Oh, it's fantastic. Um I haven't had a box of Apple Jacks in a long time. But I gotta go to the store later. So 
That might change. Yeah, it might change. It's time. It's time. Um, Number five. Now things are getting really serious. I think there's a lot of people who would put this one at the top of their list. Uh, depending on who your parents were, this was a cereal that was nearly impossible to get when you were a kid just because of the sheer obsceneness of the idea. Cookie crisp. Number five, a bowl of chocolate chip cookies. Parents, My parents wouldn't go for it very often. But every once in a while, I could sneak in one of those, you know, the small the samplers when you go camping. Yep. I could yep. sneak in some cookie crisp that way. Uh, just, I mean, this is a genius idea. It is. It is. Cookie crisp is excellent. And again, a staple. Now I go to my staple that for years on end. In fact, I have a funny story about Cocoa Puffs. So Cocoa Puffs number four. Okay. I had it as a kid, but I really hit my stride with Cocoa Puffs as a bachelor in like my like mid twenties. I just get I just get Cocoa Puffs and have like a couple bowls every day. And I met my now wife Stephanie. Who is very into you know eating clean and 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 being healthy and all, all the crap that I I don't subscribe to or at least didn't until I was basically forced to through marriage, um, and, and I'm now better off for it. It's thirty pounds have gone away. But look, I remember she came over one day, you know, early early in our relationship, a couple weeks in. She's like, "Why do you have like three boxes of cocoa puffs? Like <laughs> breakfast? Yeah, like maybe lunch? Cocoa puffs?" What are you seven? <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, I can't tell you how close we were to just ending the relationship right there. I was like, yeah. I, I enjoy cocoa puffs, damn it. I'm like, what do you have right. for breakfast? Like, oh, I have a, a kind bar. I'm like, well, you, you keep that shit at home. Yeah, I'm, like, I, I'm having my cocoa puffs, and it became like a running joke. And so, a couple months into the relationship, we ended up. Whatever. Long story short, we ended up going to our cousin's wedding. Who, by the way, had it on New Year's Eve night like an animal. What, like, who who does that to what? a person? The, the, the NCAA, the NCAA. Like, like what? Do you, who who does this? The damn wedding. The church portion of the wedding was at seven o'clock at night on New Year's Eve. Okay, let me just say, got my money's worth on the at the open bar. But in any event, so the next morning because we, we had to stay in a hotel. The next morning, come down, and her whole family's here. I, I basically just met her entire family. Her mother's extremely into fitness. I come down. I've got two bowls, one in each hand. Cocoa Puffs and Fruit Loops. They looked at me like I was insane. And it started to make me reevaluate my life choices. But let it be said, while I made many choices that are now different, Cocoa Puffs has remained. And I'm, I'm very happy about it. I'm proud of you. Stay true yeah. to who you are. You know, right. you don't want, you know, Stephanie thought you should have been eating grape nuts or something. Like, for goodness sake, get out of here. Uh-huh. Um, Number three on the list, one of my all-time favorites, and this is actually the cereal that I once slept walk. Uh, I I would sleepwalk a little bit when I was a kid, and I I went downstairs and poured a bowl of it and went back upstairs, ate it, woke up the next morning, went downstairs, uh, saw that the, didn't remember, saw that the box was empty and and got pissed off at my dad because I thought he ate some before he went to work. Peanut butter crunch, the, 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 the best of the Captain Crunch lineup is, is peanut butter crunch. This is, I think, indisputable absolutely incredible cereal a great cereal a great cereal i mean you know you always your parents like oh your teeth are gonna rot out who cares yeah bring them over yeah bring the whole damn box over peanut butter captain crunch first of all as anyone who knows listens to five peanut peanut butter is an amazing thing and it should be said here by the way while we're on this if, if we end up going out to kansas city for a game this year we really should just have like 
we got to go and find like we want here actually if anyone is nuts enough to still be listening to this podcast at this point we're well <laughs> over an hour and we're talking about cereals yeah if you're still listening give us the best place dessert wise that in kansas city like it doesn't have to be a restaurant it can be a bakery it can be a, just a confectionery whatever oh yeah we need it out I, look, we all we always talk about barbecue there. We all like believe me, Patrick and I. We we've we've done our jobs when it comes to barbecue. Every time we go there, we end up with with just a sweating barbecue yep. sauce by Sunday. Yep. Give us the best dessert place. Like, where's a great place to go get something sweet? Again, that have to be a restaurant. Can be, but can be bakery confectionery. I we went to one place when we were out there with our good friend Joel Wagler. That was like a little like a truffle shop, which is really oh great. yeah yeah yeah. I can't remember we the name, but I'd plug it. Um, yeah, but keep that in mind, folks. Leave it in a review for the love of God. Leave it in a review. Um, we'll shout you out. We'll appreciate you. All right, number two, we've talked about this cereal many times. Count Chocula, and the more I talk about it, the more pissed off I get. So help me God, General Mills. <laughs> it's not just for Halloween, okay? Give me some damn Count Chocula in June. It's a hundred degrees outside. You know what would make yeah. me feel better? Yeah. Count Chocula would make me feel better. But no, yeah. no Count Chocula for me because it's not free. I swear to God, next year, because now we've talked about this, it's going to be embedded in my head. When Count Chocula comes out, I'm buying 30 damn boxes of Count Chocula, and I'm going to store it in my office closet. That's how this goes down. And then I've got Count Chocula for at least half a year. Maybe we should just start a, a spinoff podcast where we eat cereal or maybe just a spinoff podcast about that's the bring back count chocula and we just every episode is us bitching about count chocula not being available all year long um we're gonna have to we have to dig in here i'm i'm more than willing to start up a podcast that is targeted only at general mills where we just yeah. go after them until they write what is quite honest <laughs> Yeah. Just an egregious wrong. Right. Bring guests on. You know, just yeah. tell us about your Count Chocula memories and what would it mean to you if Count Chocula was back full time. Just bring on like a General Mills executive or maybe somebody who's been like yeah. who feels they've been wrongfully terminated by General Mills. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Answer for this. Answer yeah. for this. All of, a, all of a sudden these two clowns who do a cheese podcast turn into turn into Larry King and Barbara Walters over here. <laughs> it's like these are well, Woodward and Bernstein. Out. Yeah, Woodward and Bernstein. It, it, that's what we're going to do. We're going to uncover the... We're gonna, there's some sort of dark, nefarious planet. There's a criminal plane. underbelly to this. There's, yeah, yeah, there certainly it, is. It needs to be uncovered. All right. And number one, so y'all can get out of here. No suspense. The goat cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah. Just... Yeah. I, I, there's, I don't know what you guys want me to say. It is... That is the, the best cereal ever. I got a cocktail once that had CT Crunch dust in it. It was incredible. Of course. Yeah, it was. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. The best thing in the world, outside of maybe the birth of your child, and even that, its arrival, is the, if you get the last bowl of a Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, magic. That is... I had a buddy one time in high school. We were eating like real lunch. I forget what the hell we were eating. And he just looked up out of nowhere and just goes, you know, man, knew today was going to be a good day. Beat my brother down the stairs. Got the last box, of last ball of the Cinnamon Toast Crunch box. A lot of sugar at the bottom. And I just busted out laughing because it came out of nowhere. But I thought to myself, like, he's right. 
That yeah. is the best way to start a day. And I'm, I don't care. That, that bowl of cereal probably had 80 grams of sugar. Screw it. It that settles. Is, that yeah. is the way to get the day rolling. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it sure is. All right, everybody. I will see you in a couple of weeks because I, it's moving. Moving week for me. Moving into the new house. Very excited. Found out we had a blueberry bush. Didn't know that. There's a blueberry bush by the garage. So, um, you know, I'll be making my own crunch berries maybe here pretty soon. Um, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Vertoram will uh, maybe put out some content for you guys while I'm gone. Um, it'll be uh, slightly more knowledgeable in the football space, slightly less knowledgeable in the cereal space. But what are you going to do? <laughs> I, it's going to be we're going to be trading off a little bit. I, I, um, I don't know. Next week we'll figure it out if we do a podcast. Maybe it's just on that necessarily next week, but. Uh, the next one will be the 24th. I'll be here for that. The next day, I go on vacation for like three weeks. I, we might be, I might just, you know, drop in. What the hell? But uh, yeah, look, it's crazy. I was thinking about this. We are easily less than two months now from training camp. Uh, July 27th. And so we're yeah. what? I mean, we're six weeks, maybe seven weeks. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting there. It's going to be gonna be here quick. And uh, our Chiefs, the odds on favorites to not only reach, but to win. Ah, oh boy, I hope that happens. All right, everybody. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much for listening to our hour and 15-minute serial podcast that sometimes talks about the Kansas City Chiefs. For Matt Verderam, my name is Patrick Allen. We love you. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Chiefs. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.